Happy Saturday. This is the Soaring Business Eagle coming to you once again on the subject about the importance of trust. How important is trust? What are the dynamics or concepts that help to build trust between us and another individual, other groups, organizations, colleagues, and associates. So let's get into it. Let's first define the meaning of trust. Trust is a firm belief and strength and someone or something. That's the definition of trust. And there are different dynamics that go into trusting. The Trust Factor report revealed that 84% of people will not engage with another individual unless trust has been established. I think that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty high number. And as we look at society today with all of the situations in the past that came with different companies involving schemes, political figures making promises and not coming through, uh, religious or spiritual leaders and mentors making promises and not coming through. It's easy not to trust. However, there are certain things that will build up trust. One of the main things is to know and to listen to your target audience. As a business person or business organization, you have to learn and know about your target audience. What are their pain points? Listen to what they say. Take heed to their feedback in order to know what their pain points are. Once the client feels that you are listening and understanding their problem, they'll be more than happy to trust you because now you have added value to their lives. Valerie Jarrett, for example, was President Obama's, ex-president rather, Obama's longest trusted advisor. Why? She was a critical thinker. She listened. She was concise. She engaged. She offered credible information that brought positive results. And if there was a problem, she researched it, attacked it from different angles, and presented to President Barack Obama at that time the solutions. So that's how you build trust. You use persuasive psychology, you establish your authority, and you influence the client, the listener, the group, the organization, that yes, you can trust me, and then show some proof of your track record. What are some other things? Let's take a look at that. You have to be a good listener. Active listening skills are vitally important. You have to be active, smart, 
concise and witty, being able to get to the point without sounding pushy, arrogant, or rude is a part of communication etiquette. It's all a learning process. Trust is important. You also have to be willing to be interactive, to engage with the client, an organization, or a group. You can't be afraid. Fear, false evidence appearing real, cannot rest, rule, and abide in your spirit or in your mind. You have to be confident in who you are. Before anyone can trust you, you have to be confident in your skills and your God-given talents. Another thing that builds trust is to read and understand the body language of the individual, the group, or organization that you're conversing with. You're sitting down at a meeting. Several members of the group are talking, but one is silent. Look out for what is not being said with the one that is silent. Look for the body language, the way the head moves, maybe a tapping of a finger, maybe someone putting their hand on their jaw, eye contact. Tapping of the feet, all of that is body language. A person could be nervous. They could have an, a question. They could be in doubt about something. So all of those things come into play in establishing trust. You also have to frame up the issue. Before any construction project takes place, the architects get together and form a blueprint. They go over that blueprint to make sure that all of the calculations are correct. So when the laborers start building the site, the building, the business, the structure stands strong and it lasts. So you have to frame the issue, focus on the proper issues, focus so that the client, the group, the organization knows that you are concentrating on their likes and dislikes, talking about trust. Also involved in framing is the problem statement, the hypothesis and various points of view. Allow the client to speak, allow the group members to speak so that you can hear their side. My mother used to say two heads are better than one. Sometimes three, four, and five is better than one because Solomon said in the multitude of counseling, advice, feedback, there is safety. So these are the things that build trust and help you to become a more trustworthy individual. When you're able to articulate the situation and prioritize the client's problems, they will look to you as an expert. That's vitally important. How do you make them feel? You don't want them to feel like you're arrogant. You don't want them to feel like you're overwhelming them, but you want them to feel 
empathy and that you're concerned, connected, and concentrating on solving their problems and upscaling their business. Talking about trust. You also have to use your imagination to envision the solution. Again, back to the architects who imagine how the final product would look. You can even ask the client, the group, or the organization that question. How do you see the final product? Help them to use their imagination because nowadays there's a lot going on. People may have their minds on something else. This will help them to focus and narrow down solutions. So by asking that question, how do they see the final product gives you a better understanding of what they desire. If you're dealing with a website design, ask the client, what websites do you like the most? What style? What colors? What font? Things of that nature will help you to envision and shape and mold their solution. See, it's all teamwork. It's all collaboration. It's all social engagement done in a professional manner. And also you have to use metrics to measure. How do we know when we're going to get there? There's several measuring metrics you can use and you would pick the one that best suits that business, that client, that organization. There's A slash B testing and things of that nature. Google Analytics. Those stats help to establish the progress. Or you can set up tiers or phases or stages. Stage one, as we reach here, this percentage has been accomplished in generating sales. Stage two, this percentage has been generated as far as people clicking on the email links and the funnels, things of that nature. It's all about planning, knowing what you're doing. One good thing to ask the client, even before you start any project, ask them, what is your purpose? What is or what are your goals? Take note of those goals so that you'll stay on target. And again, that will help you to analyze and evaluate steps and to calculate the progress as you go along as well. And as you successfully do the different stages, you can check those off. You check them off, the client checks them off so that there's accountability on both sides. Talking about trust. Last but not least, you have to establish commitment. You need to be 100% committed to the cause and they need to be 100% committed to the cause. The purpose of commitment is to hold each other again accountable that the vision will come to pass. You see, all goals have a start, a middle, and an ending. It's like when you create an outline or an essay in college. One of the first things they emphasize in creating an essay is to establish your thesis statement. 
The thesis statement is the guide to the whole essay. A person can make or student can develop a outline from the thesis statement. Point one, point two, point three, point five, point six, however you want to word it, but it's a roadmap in a concise and definite guide which helps you to accomplish your personal goals and to help others maximize their full potential and their business goals. This will establish trust. You also have to know when to give a little. Be flexible. Be adaptable. Don't be so stiff that nobody wants to work with you and you're known as a business ogre or a or, or, or rude person. But again, accept feedback, correction, and that's important. Being meek and teachable. You have to understand the risk involved. All of this comes from knowing the purpose and the goals. Understand the risk involved and address those risks. There's also color psychology. There are 10 best colors to use to hold a reader's attention, to evoke certain emotions, and to generate sales. I'll give you the first two. The first one is red. Red is the first color because it holds a reader's attention the best. It evokes a sense of winning and power as well as passion and romance. So it's very sociable, connected, and it is the number one main color that generates sales. Number two is listed as blue. Blue establishes trust and loyalty. Those are the emotions it evokes. And it also is the second best color to hold a reader's attention span and to generate revenue in the business. That's why you see people like Lowe's. It's blue. Citibank. It's blue. Bank of America has a mixture of red and blue. So it's important to understand color psychology. I talked to a young lady who is an author, a coach, an inspirational speaker, and she had on a red dress with a red flower. And I complimented her and told her about red being the number one color to hold a reader's attention, to invoke emotions of winning, power, and success, and generating sales. She thanked me because she had never heard of that before. And this woman is doing great things, encouraging other people to maximize their full potential. So that's a little bit about trust. I hope you can take something out of it. Write those points down and use them immediately. All of this advice is not just to be stored in your head, but use it. Actionable advice. Take another step and maximize your full potential. This is the Soaring Business Eagle signing off. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.